Welcome everyone to another episode of Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd. I'm here with my main man JB. We're both rocking the merch. Yeah, man, we got another. We it's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without a dope interview to step to, but now we've got another one. We've been we've been away, baby. Life got in the way, but we're back, baby. How you doing, JB? I am in almost tip-top shape. We have, been, we have been working hard and, you know, we we can't play as hard when we work hard. But we've been working on things outside to bring in and my main man, Chris, has done it again. <laughs> we've, we, we've, we've got some stuff in the pipeline and we have, we have been working behind the scenes. You might not have seen us in front of the camera, but we've got another interview for you guys and... This man is someone who the hardcore diehard wrestling fans all know about this man. He has been here, there and everywhere. He is a true wrestler's wrestler. Um, Absolutely. You know, he has worked with some of the biggest stars in the business um, when they weren't necessarily the biggest stars in the business, when they were building themselves up. He has... He has helped bring through so much talent. It's just unreal. So, yeah, man, I'm gassed, bro. I'm gassed. So, and JP, before, before we dive into this interview, we, you know, we love for you to follow to, you know, follow us on. I'm sure Chris will make sure it's somewhere on the screen if you're watching. There, bro. It's you there. Know, at Chat Grapple Pops. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, all with the same handle. And, you know, leave us a message. Tell us what you think. Don't forget as well to click those buttons on YouTube. It's like, subscribe, it's comment, do what you want. We don't care. Say what you want, say what you feel. If you don't like what anyone has to say in our interviews, say that too. That's right. But you know where to find us by now. You know, if you're new to this, do as we say. <laughs> do as we say, not as we do. And uh, email us on um, chat, grapple and cheat pops podcast no chat grapple and cheat pops at gmail.com chat grapple and cheat pops at gmail.com it is also on the screen now if you want one of these lovely mugs we've got these ones we've also got the ico pro award ones that's right uh and and i guess we'll leave it there for now because coming up next is a sweet interview so let's leave it there and we'll see you in a minute welcome back to Another very special edition of Chat Grapple and Cheat Pops with Chris and JB. Please, please show some love for a former WWF, ECW, TNA, XPW, FWA, Wrestling Society X, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And I also almost forgot NWA Mid-Atlantic. There's more, even more to add to that, but I know I've missed them. He's, this man has literally been everywhere. He's had so many championships, we couldn't even list them. We'd have all night to do it. And he even has a bump named after him. Ladies and gentlemen, please, Chris Hamrick, the legend. Thank you hey, for being with us, Chris. Not much, man. Just, you know, glad to have you on. Like JB saying, you know, we you're one of the guys that you've you've literally you have you've worked with so many people in the business from you know late 80s all the way through to just you know a few years ago and um, i mean are you still working chris you still got getting some bookings and stuff very seldom do i work i've got a couple shows coming up just because i have um a young kid that i've really took an interest in in wrestling so i want to try to 
bring his level up a little bit. But other than that, fuck no, this shit hurts. <laughs> How has the pandemic treated you, Chris? We know it's, it's been tough over here in the UK, but... Hell, it ain't no different for me. I don't like nobody anyway, so it works out good for me. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll definitely get to people that you do and don't like. Uh, I mean, to start with, it's, you know... Where where did the, where did the where did the love start for pro wrestling? How'd I get into it? Yeah, my dad bought me a ring when I was nine years old, and uh, I had a big ass teddy bear that I tried moves and shit on, and I was pretty lucky because I could watch wrestling and go out and do um, some of the stuff that I seen on TV. So, you know, I had pretty much had an advantage over everybody else. So you were bumping in the ring as a nine-year-old? Yes. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, I had my first match when I was 15. Um, was that in your, did your dad have a promotion as well? Is that right? He did. He did. Him and another guy from uh, Spartanburg, uh, South Carolina, Jay Eagle. They ran a show together, and they ran once a month, once a week, some shit. But, um, yeah, so he bought me the ring for my birthday. Any um any guys that we would know that would uh, work in your dad's promotion back then? Uh, a bunch of them were that turned out to be enhancement talent for WCW or Mid Atlantic. Um, there was a Mike Samani that was working there. There was a um, Vernon Deaton. There was Gary Royal. Um, yeah, most of them. Most of them did enhancement talent. That's about as far as they went. And um, you were trained also. It says you were um, trained by Ricky Morton, which is just, you know, incredible. Well, originally I'm self-trained. Um, you know, like I said, I learned how to bump and I learned everything off the ropes. That's why I did the leg drops and all that stupid shit. Uh, but Ricky taught me the psychology of it. Uh, he taught me when to do something, where to do something. And, and it's funny because, like, I go to these shows and I try to talk to these young guys today. And you can tell you can tell who's registering and who's not. And, you know, in some, and, and, and in all fairness, you know, it goes in one ear and out the other. And that was the same way. Me and uh, Kid Cash were coming up on the Indies and Ricky Morton would talk to us. So he was blue in the face, like, you know, you don't have to do that, da, da, da. And, I mean, you're talking about Ricky Morton, you know, and me and Cash would, like, when he'd walk away, be like, oh, he's just mad because he can't do it. But that's the kind of mentality that independent workers have. And But then when it hits you, it fucking hits you. It's kind of like when you grow up and be an adult, you find out that your mom and dad was right about every fucking thing they ever said to you, you know. <laughs> and it's just kind of the same in wrestling. When you first hear it, it's bullshit. You don't believe it. But then when it hits you, it hits you like a ton of bricks. You're like, oh, maybe he knew what the fuck he was talking about. So, you know, I understand you can't get mad at guys for not listening to you. All I can do is offer to help you. If you listen, fine. But I know who I can talk to and who I don't have to waste my breath with. Yeah, so it's funny because, um, I mean, talking about yourself and Ricky Morton in the same sentence, I mean, you guys could could sell, you know, and you knew about when to sell and, and stuff like that. What do you think about um, wrestling at the minute? You know, do you think that there's not enough selling going on? I'm a big-time fan of today's wrestling. Uh, 
I do wish that they would bring heel and babyface back, and I do wish they would sell more. Yeah. Uh, Because a a guy could give you a suplex, and the one you gave it to is up before you are waiting for the next move. And I just think that as far as everything's athletic uh, competition now, that's fine for one or two matches, but I don't want to sit there and watch that the whole show because it's the same match, different guys. And it's just, you know – you talk to you talk to heels or supposedly heels, and you go, okay, well, I've got a couple ideas that would, you know, and they're like, well, that made me look weak. What the fuck? You're a heel. You're supposed to look weak. You're not supposed to be able to stand up with the good guy because then why are you a bad guy if you don't cheat? Yeah, I just I don't get that part about it. As far as the athleticism and some of the shit they do now is unbelievable. But I just wish they would bring back babyface and heels and. And spend more selling and more storytelling. You can't feel bad for somebody if they never get in trouble. Yes, yeah, it's, it's true. And Jordan's got a saying, you know, if you don't sell it, we can't buy it. Right, absolutely. Well, MJF, I love MJF to death. Uh, I actually started watching him before AEW and all this shit, and I took an interest in him. And if I see somebody that I think, has talent or is doing something different than everybody else, then, you know, I'll take an interest to it. I got in touch with MJF and I talked to him and uh, he was doing everything right. But if you watch MJF, as much as I love him, he's not a heel. He's a heel until he steps through the ropes. And then he does absolutely nothing to cheat. He does nothing to get shortcuts. He out wrestles the baby face. Uh, You know, so, I mean, what makes you a heel? Because you got, you say bad words on, on the TV show. You know, I just don't get it. It's it's so funny because you're saying stuff that we've been saying for a long time. We love MJF on this show. You know, as you can see, I don't know if you can see behind, I've got so many figures and MJF, I always put his little figure on and just say, this guy could be so much. But, you know, I think his character, if he was more like a chicken shit heel, I think he would yeah, be absolutely. just incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And I told him, I said, the only the, the reason that you're doing it, because you're the only one that's doing it right now. Everybody else wants to be fucking, well, I'm just as tough as the baby face, and I, I don't back down. And I'm like, that's what a fucking heel is. Yeah. You know, if you don't cheat to win or get the shortcut, what makes you a heel? You're not a heel. We you said know? This before. He's got, he's got Wardlow with him, like the big guy, Wardlow. Him, Wardlow's doing nothing. Like, Warlock could do so much more for him just by, you know, outside interference, you know, clocking guys, doing all of MJF's dirty work for him. But MJF does all the work in the ring. It's I honestly, honestly believe that AEW may have stopped him from doing that shit. He was doing it on the indies because that's why I took an interest in him. Um, And then I seen him one night, he pinned um, Swerve. What's his name? Black guy, NST, Swerve. Oh, Isaiah Scott. Anyway, he uh, he beat him right in the middle of the ring at a CCW show for the title. Mm. I called him. I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? He goes, that's what the promoter wanted. I went, well, the promoter's a fucking idiot because he made his big face champion look like an asshole because you out-wrestled him and beat him without cheating. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just stuck in the times or whatever. But I honestly believe that would still work today. 
Man, I'm I'm just happy that MJF and Chris Hamrick have been having fucking conversations, man. I think that that makes my 2020 2021, dude. That honestly makes me happy. I did. I I got something. You know, I watched him on YouTube or whatever, and um, I sent him a Facebook requests, and he you know accepted, and then we started talking through Messenger, and then we started talking on the phone and all. I mean, I haven't talked to him in a while, but. Um, you know, he, he would send me things to watch, and, you know, that made me feel good. I got a couple guys that do that that, you know, really don't have to have their shit watched, but they want it watched, and it makes me feel good. Jordan Oliver is another one. Do you know him? Jordan Jordan Oliver, did you say? Yes, Jordan Oliver. He was with CBW, and now he's – I think he's MLW maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, MLW, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, thing. he was getting over as a heel and I, you know, I took an interest to him and then, um, one day he sends me a match and I'm like, well, you sold the leg. And then the next thing you did was a springboard drop kick. He goes, well, I wanted the people to think that that was my last ditch effort. I went, you don't give a fuck what the people think you're a heel. Why would right. you so I was like, you know, then he turned baby face. So we're good again. <laughs> you got you got to listen to Chris Hamrick when it comes to being a heel because we uh, we was watching uh, the uh, you versus AJ Styles and you were shouted to someone in the crowd oh he's just pissed because I did his mum when she was a teenage rat or something like that and it was just it was hilarious you know so <laughs> some of the stuff you the banter you have with the crowds is just is brilliant man really that was good. the fun part of being a heel I mean I know you can't say the shit that you could say back then. But I mean that that was the fun of being a heel. You could say what you wanted to mm. and try to get the people up and you know that was part of your job. It's um I mean we're a retro, you know, podcast in general. Like we always go back and watch older shows now, like you know, we we were kids when these shows were on. And it is, it's it's you know, chicken shit, as Chris said, heel stuff, you know, that gets gets the fans rolled up. Some of it just doesn't roll the fans up now. They just cheer it anyway. And Yeah, I just... To me, a heel is a chicken shit piece of shit until he gets the advantage by cheating and then he's the baddest motherfucker in the world. Yeah. That's what a heel is. It's true, man. But there, there are no true heels. Everybody wants to be liked. And I just don't get that, man. You got to have somebody to boo you. You got to have somebody like, But you got to give them a reason to boo you. Yeah. I mean, but like we were saying, you can't build up you, you, and have these like super over baby faces unless they've got an equal like hill character to kind of work against who's kind of trying to fuck them over at every turn, you know, and doing all this stuff to kind of, you know, going against them. You can't really have those super over hills unless you've got, um, sorry, a super over baby face unless you've got those real chicken shit, dirty hills, you know, it works both ways. Yeah, it's like everybody's equal, and that's so stupid. Yeah, nobody wants to. You gotta have somebody to boo and somebody to cheer. Working in Smoky Mountain is that what Jim Cornette was trying to get over like every week? Well, that was. I mean, that was old school. Period. You know, I mean, it was still good guy versus bad guy. And down south, we have it more of where you still could get by with that. Uh. That fucking ECW did away with babyface and heels, I believe, because then it was more of a, I'll cheer you if if you're if you're talented or if you can entertain me or 
You know what I'm saying? If you can't, then I'm going to boo you the fuck out of the ring and you're not going to get to wrestle. And, but I think they did away with babyface and heel and it came more of a respect thing. And I think that's where they ran with it. With down south, they still, there's really not a whole lot of smart fans down here. But, and they still want to see good guy versus bad guy. You know, that, that's what they come to wrestling for. I, I think it is, it is kind of like that in the UK as well. Like, we love to cheer the good guy, but we love to boo the fucking bad guy. No, you don't. Me and Tracy and Steve Carino came over there for one PW, and we were heels, and nothing we did, these people would boo us. Nothing. I think that was way more of a respect thing. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I can't imagine they were going to they were gonna be. Yeah, but we were cheating and everything. I mean, we were doing everything that we could to be heels, and these motherfuckers were still cheering us. I think we've lost we've lost Chrissy's frozen on us at the minute. Um, whilst that tries to figure out, um, I will. You know, you worked you worked in the WWF when it was still the WWF. Is that is? I mean, how how long had you been practicing the uh, the Hamrick bump? Uh, I was actually on the indie show and I used to do the thing to where I would run across the ropes. They would be on the second rope and I would, they would move and I would hit the second rope and bounce back in. Well, one day I overshot it and I hit and the floor is smacked and everybody in the building was just like so quiet. And I'm sitting there going, oh shit, that didn't even hurt. So the, the dirt was getting up to do it the second time. After I did the second time, it was just like a natural thing. I never got hurt doing that bump. Never. Never. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Um, and that's where, you know, we, like, I mean, I first saw it as, I think I was, what, seven or eight years old when I was watching Wrestling Challenge, and I think you did it in an Owen Hart match. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, it was one of the one of the craziest things I'd seen because you didn't see so much sort of flying out to the outside, especially in the UK. You didn't have every wrestling show on, but... It was a it was a wild bump, and I mean, I think did you do it as well with uh, with the one two three kid? I did it with Tatanka the first night. I wrestled the kid the next night, and I did it with him. And then I come back like two months later and did it with Owen. Well, see, the funny thing is, like when I did the bump, uh, they had monitors in the locker room, and Talia, Stallion, the guys that I went up with, you know, they're all watching the monitor. And when I did it, all the boys jumped up went. Fuck, he's dead. And so I was like, nah, he meant to do that. And it's like, what? So as we're leaving, Owen calls me over. He goes, You meant to do that? And I went, Yeah. He goes, Unfucking believable. He said, That's the most awesome bump I've ever seen. And he told me, He said, I wish they'd let me work guys like you. He said, They got me working fat motherfuckers won't even jump up for a suplex. And I'm like, Well, keep your dreams alive, Owen. It'll happen one day, maybe. And he actually requested me later on. So, um, that, that made me feel good. And the thing about it is, George Steele was an agent. And he called me over and he says, I've got heat with you. And I went, I didn't do it. It's Ricky Morton. And uh, he goes, uh, I try not to sell when he comes to matches. He said, you done brought me out of my seat twice with that bump. He said, don't do that fucking bump anymore. I went, I'll never do it again. So the night that I wrestled Owen, he said, you going to do the bump? I went, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you actually watch the match, you can see Owen turn around so he can watch it. Oh, that's uh, I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to watch that back and see, uh, see him, see him do it. Um, I mean, it has been named the Hamrick Bump. Like, I mean, every, every now and again, a wrestler gets like some sort of move named after him or something they create themselves. But I think 
the Hamrick bump was something that people created. Like, how did that feel? Uh, it was cool because, like, I was so far behind in getting on the computer. And then, like, I got on the computer. This was, like, 10 years later. I got on the computer, and somebody's like, Chris Hammer. There was a jobber named Chris Hammer. And he did a stupid bump or a silly bump or awesome bump or some shit. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's been 10 years, and y'all still talking about that? And that's what I get. It's because, like, guys, you know, like, oh, I laughed my ass. I went, all right, well, tell me something that you did fucking in 94, and people are still talking about it. I'll wait. <laughs> it, I mean, I I wouldn't call it as silly, but I think it was a, you know, we think it was a, cr- a great bump, like something to, it was something different as well. You didn't, like I said, it was Wrestling Challenge, I think it was, or something like that. And, you know, most I'll of the time. I'll tell you another thing is when I did it with uh, Tatanka, he did, he slingshot me in on the hard way. And after the match, Vince McMahon told me, he said, we've never done this before. We showed it again in slow motion. Two months later, they come out with double feature. That's, that's insane. Um, in your time in the WWF, was there anyone that, you know, was there anything, anyone that you didn't shine to, didn't quite like, didn't enjoy working Brett with? Brett. He was a dick. He was champion then, so you know he he really thought he won that belt. But yeah, he was a he was a total dish, dickhead. Everybody else, I mean, everybody else like uh, with the bump. They I kind of like they kind of wanted me over to their side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you know, everybody was putting me over. The the biggest night was uh, we were sitting there one night, and I was in the hallway, and Shawn Michaels comes up, and he goes. Hey, somebody told me you did that bump by accident the first time. I looked around like, who the hell is he talking to? And I looked, and I was the only one there. And I went, oh, shit, he's talking to me. And we talked a little bit. And I couldn't tell you 10 things of what he said because the whole time I'm like, this is fucking Shawn Michaels. This is great. And then later that night, uh, Mr. Perfect talked to me about it. And I went, wow, you got two of the greatest bumpers in the history of wrestling talking to me about something that I did. So that made me feel real good. That's a... Did you have any other interactions with like Shawn Michaels and the Click or anything like that, like around that time? I wanted to work Shawn each time that I went up there, but something was wrong with him each time. I mean, I didn't care if I was going to be doing the job or whatever. I was going to have fun working with Shawn Michaels. And he's the one that I never got to work that I really wanted to work. And that's uh... Any any sort of like I mean I'm I'm jumping around because I'm still trying to get Chris back onto the into our call but um, <laughs> any any like good or bad memories of Paul Heyman? You know what I didn't see Paul a whole lot. Um, by the time that I got there, Dreamer was doing everything. Uh, Paul would come in a couple times, but he intimidated shit out of me because I knew just like that he could have me out of there. You know what I'm saying? Um, he did. I mean. Like, Okay, I got hurt one time. New Jack dropped the elbow on my ribs. Totally accident. He had just done the table dive, and he rolled over and asked me, was I okay? And I'm like, yeah, fuck, that didn't hurt at all. And he thought I was going on my back, and he dropped his elbow, and it went right in my ribs, and that hurt. Well, Tommy said, well, if you can't come back, we'll still pay you, you know, whatever. So I came back. So they put me as a manager for him, uh, Julio and Easy. And, I mean, you got to think about it. The managers that you had, you had – Hell, I really, you had Paul, you had Louis Dangerously, you had fuck, I can't really even remember, but nobody took bumps or ran their mouth or you know what I'm saying. 
And so you had this little hill fucker that was running their mouth and taking crazy bumps. And so I actually think they made a thought about keeping me as a manager. And I'm like, that's fine, but I want to wrestle. So uh, one night I gave Tommy Dreamer uh, a highlight video. And I said, hey, this is just a reminder of, you know, the shit that I can do. I mean, I don't mind managing. I'll referee if that's what you want me to do, but I would like to work. So he took it home and he said, um, me and Paul are going to watch it this weekend. I went, okay. So I walked back in. He goes, Paul fucking loved it. Well, Paul, we were actually in the locker room. Me, Easy, Julio, Joy Christian, and Electra were in the locker room. And Paul, you know, he opened the door and he's like, hey, I just make it special appearance. Let y'all know I'm here. He closed the door and he opened the door back and he goes, Hammer, watch your DVD. Fucking loved it. And then from that up, from that night on, I started working again. So, you know, it was just like, I didn't care to manage, but I wanted to work, you know? But Paul, he was barely there. And we can welcome Chris back because he is here. Uh, Chris, can you, sorry, just say something so we can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Chris, don't know what happened. Want, if you didn't want to be on this damn thing, all you had to do was say so. You ain't <laughs> got to be only, that way. <laughs> we can only have one Chris on the podcast, Chris, man. And, it, you know, you won that battle and it just fucking chucked me out. So, <laughs> yeah, I, my computer's never done that on all of the, the shows we've done. It's just, uh, it must be that Hamrick energy, man, just overflowing. Um, yeah, I was just getting excited talking about being a heel and stuff. So what did I miss? You were talking about ECW, right? Uh, we talked uh, We talked briefly about the WWF um, and Chris's likes, just like we talked about the Hamrick bump. Uh, we did move on to ECW. He, uh, Chris said himself that he didn't really see Paul Heyman much, but we'd like to, you know, ask you more about ECW and like, you know, some of the, some of the good times you might have had there. Oh God, I loved ECW, man. Um, I mean, you want to talk about intimidating, though. Um, me and Jason, Easy Money, got a tryout in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So when we get in our tryout, you got all the ECW guys sitting around ringside. And once I got in, that was the funniest part of the, the show. Um, but we got, like, probably 10 guys trying out. And me and Jason actually talked our match out and stopped at a parking lot and walked through our match, an empty parking lot on the way down there. So the first two that tried out were terrible. And Sandman jumps up on the apron. He's like, what the fuck was that? Get the fuck out of the ring. Matter of fact, get the fuck out of the building. We're like, fuck, no, no pressure there. And we were the last two to try out. And um, so we had our match. And Cash comes up and he goes, hey, man, y'all going to have to have your match again. I went, okay, but why? He goes, well, Tommy Dreamer got here late. And he's agreed to watch you two guys. So we did our match again. And by that time, we done got back and got dressed, and I was going to wait and hang out with New Jack because I hadn't seen New Jack since Smoky Mountain. Well, we're standing on stage. Tommy Dreamer comes out with a piece of paper. He goes, okay, Cash, you and Chilly Willie against your two boys' first match. Well, it went right over my head. And then I was like, wait, fuck, Cash, we're your boys, right? And he goes, yeah, and I went, we're working tonight? And he goes, yeah, and I went, holy fuck, yeah. And, and the cool thing about Cash was – is during the heat, I mean, they could have went in. Tommy told us we had six minutes. When, when you come off the indies, six minutes is a fucking entrance, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, they could go in and job us out. And nobody will ever fucking know or care about it, you know? And I asked Cash, I said, hey, can I do the leg drop off of Easy Shoulders when he sits on top turnbuckle to start the heat? And he told me, he said, look, he said, me and, me and Chili already have contracts here. Y'all go out and get your shit over and get a fucking contract. That's what I want. And I went, wow, 
that's cool as shit, you know? So, and then, like, um, after the match, you know, Cash, like, go talk to Dreamer, and we talk to Dreamer, he's like, well, if it's profitable, you could come, you know, if not, you know, I got to use my guys, blah, blah, blah. Well, the next week, we went back, and it was in Cleveland, Ohio, and me and Jason ran in car, went up there, and uh, we went, worked out, and uh, Tommy comes in, he says, Chili, look around the dressing room. Is there anybody you want to work? He's like, give me Hamrick. And then after that, we worked every, probably, I want to say maybe two months after Dreamer comes up, he goes, I can't give you big money. I can't afford to fly you in, but consider yourself a full-time employee by ECW, which was cool because it means we had a shot, a spot on every show. The way it worked before is you would come, you would get dressed, you would work out, you would stay dressed. Somebody picked the work, you, you got paid and, you know, it was worth it. If not, and you just you made a trip for nothing. That never happened to us, thank God. So it worked out good for us. I just um I just watched um some ECW with you today and uh watched a tag team match that in the end New Jack came down and you started hammering the crap out of each did other. Did I beat his ass um, or did I show the other one? Uh, uh <laughs> yeah. no, you, you beat his ass. <laughs> it's, um it, it's pretty cool. Like do you do you um do you sometimes watch those bits and and that of, of yourself on the network? Because there's some Smoky Mountain on there and there's some ECW and stuff on there. Do you ever get to watch much of it? I really don't because I know the finish and it's not usually <laughs> good on my part. But um, no man, I'd rather watch. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm fucking big PWG Mark. Um, I'd rather watch guys that can fucking go now. You know, I mean, like. My shit's going to be there forever. I can go back and watch it forever. Like I said, you know, um, unless there was something special that happened in the match or something that, you know, but I'd rather watch today's wrestling, man. I'll, you know, I fucking love the AEW. I love um, good wrestling. I mean, I really do. That's cool, man. Like, um, we, you may or may not know that we are Hertfordshire's number one wrestling podcast. Um, and we pretty sure that when you were over here with FWA that you may have wrestled in Broxbourne at some point. Do you remember coming to Broxbourne? God, I don't know. Let me tell you the funny story about this. I get there. I'm on a 10-day tour, right? I get there and I'm sitting. Well, first of all, Hoovy's on the show. Hoovy's on the tour. Might have been me and Hoovy were the only names. I'm thinking. And so I, when I walk in, when I get off the uh, out of the car, I go straight to the ring and start helping with the ring. And uh, they were like, man, you ain't got to do that. I went, I know, I'm just trying to make Hoovy look like shit. So uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm watching Johnny, Jody, uh, Doug Williams, probably a couple more. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not competing with this shit. So – and, and it made sense because, like, you got – say you got seven matches on the show. Six of them is going to be that fucking British-style catch-can go at it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I went, you know what? I'm going to do fucking comedy. And I did some of the silliest shit you had ever seen. <laughs> and people were writing on the message board back then, like, still Hammer's passport. We don't want him to leave. Because <laughs> it, was, it was different than anything else on the show. And it stood out, and it was entertaining – but like when when I started the heat, the heat was enough to where it made up for the comedy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I enjoyed my. Oh, I loved it over there. 
mate, I, I, I watched uh, you versus Johnny Storm. I mean, JB and myself have watched Johnny Storm plenty and he's a local lad for around here yeah, right. Love Johnny um, you know so he, he's from round our way and he's one of our favorites in the ring and uh, i remember going to a few independent shows and seeing him he sold me a couple of dvds and stuff you know but um i i i still believe that yours and johnny's match that i watched was still an incredible match i mean the ring for fwa was absolutely fucking tiny oh it's, my god it's 14 by 14 if, uh, yeah, like at a push, man. Like it was so small. And, um, you know, the stuff you were doing in that ring, dude, some of your moves are, are still to this day, they amaze me because um, myself and Jordan, we did train in wrestling. We we trained with a few guys um, for a, a few years and stuff. I mean, we never got anywhere with it. Um, but, you know, we, we loved every minute of it. We made some good connections and we, you know, we still have those friends today. But, you know, your some of the moves that you do, like you did this kind of like, I, I, it was kind of like a belly to back into a tombstone kind of thing where you hooked his arms. Oh, yeah. Well, I just throw him up into my thing and sit down. Yeah, that's f- yeah. fucking incredible. Some fucking uh, backyarder showed me that one time on a show. I mean, he was a backyarder, but he is, you know, pro whatever. And yeah. he showed me, that. yeah, I'm selling the shit out of that. Oh, man. You, and your, your suplex into the stunner always every single time man every time i watch that chris it's like fuck yeah that's a sick move you know that's just you know incredible man and you know it that your double clothesline as well that you hit with people yeah it's just incredible man every single time and hey do you notice that in those matches now this is before miz and all that shit that i'm doing the clothesline through the ropes yeah yeah i invented that yeah, man. And that's where you were able to take the, the Hamrick bump as well. When they move out the way, you then go through the ropes. You right. Know? It, incredible. And Chris, you're doing that on like on floors where there's no mats or nothing. Like, <laughs> you're a crazy fucker. Like, you just <laughs> incredible, man. Like, you know. I'm- well, I'll tell you, I will tell you this, though. And I know guys that have done wrestling matches with arm drags, hip toss, body slam, drop, regular matches. And they're like, man, I'm on my third back surgery or my neck surgery. I've never had a broken bone, and I've never been sent to hospital because of a match. I'm blessed. What are they I'm... putting in the water down south? <laughs> well, I mean, I just – I never thought about it before I did it. You know what I'm saying? There, I, I think there's a video on YouTube where it's got loads of um, videos of you doing crazy bumps, and the music is, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's just like, it's fantastic. But I, I still think, you know, even as, let's say, enhancement talent, you, when you're working for WWF, you had a match with Owen Hart. And I think maybe Ted DiBiase was on commentary for that match as well. I think it was Stan Lane and DiBiase, maybe? Yes, correct. Yeah. And when you took the Hamrick bump, I, I'm going to call it the Hamrick bump because it is. That's exactly what it is. When you took the Hamrick bump through the ropes and Owen Hart moved out the way, even DiBiase was selling the shit out of that. You know, Stan Lane, they were like, oh, man, look at this guy. You know, he's, let's take a look at that again. You know, and it was, it kind of, you know, overshadowed Owen to a point. Like, it was fucking crazy, man. Owen loved that bump. He he actually loved that bump. Have you uh, got any Owen rib stories? 
I don't because he didn't rib me because, like, like I told him, the first time I did the bump, Owen called me over as I was leaving. And he's like, you meant to do that? And I went, yeah. He said, unfucking believable He said, that's the most awesome bump I've ever seen. So then, like, the next time that we went, Owen met me out in the parking lot. We had just got out of the van. He goes, I'm working you tonight, right? And I went, I don't know. I ain't even been in the building. He goes, yeah. He goes, as soon as I got here, they said, you're working that kid that does the bump through the ropes. He said, you're famous for it up here. And I went, he goes, you want to do it? And I went, uh, do you think I should? He goes, fuck yeah. I went, all right, we're there. Yeah. Like I told him, if you, watch, if you watch the match, you can see Owen turn around to watch the bump. It's crazy. It's, I mean, Owen was hot at that point as well. He really he was, was. so cool. God, he yeah. was so cool. I'll tell you, I will tell you one thing. He's, he was, uh, I want to say, fuck with the baby face or heel. He was healed because I worked. Maybe the first time I went, he was babyface. Anyway, Brett was getting the shit beat out of him by maybe Bulldog Luger and somebody. And Owen was supposed to make the save, right? Well, Owen is sitting in the chair in front of the monitor, and they're like, Owen, 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 go, go, go. He's like, hold on, I'll see what happens. He was in no hurry whatsoever. <laughs> But one of the best ribs I ever heard was he was mad at Luger about something, and he would get in there. And this just goes shows you what how a wrestler can determine how your match goes. Um, he would tell Luger to body slam him or press him over his head, and he would fucking dead weight him. And Luger would have a problem getting him up there. But then he would tag fucking Davy Boy, and Davy Boy, you know, he would jump for Davy Boy <laughs> as he could. So he made Luger look weak and made Davy Boy look strong. And people don't understand. For a good wrestling match, it takes two guys. You know, one guy can fuck a whole match up. Yeah, it's it's a dance for sure. Uh, Chris, I have a question. It's a it's an it's a bit of a it's a two it's a two sort of pointed question. Was there anyone that you worked with like a little bit later on that you just knew that was just can't miss? You know, they would get they would get going places and they did. They just turned out to be special. And um, on the other side, was there someone that you felt was you know, definitely going to make it and just didn't quite get there. God, I don't know. Uh, it, I feel kind of bad at sometimes because, like, I wish that I would be a little more open in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? Like, to me, and I know people are going to find this funny, but I'm shy. If you come up and start a conversation or whatever, then, you know, I'll go. But as far as me coming up and introducing myself, you know, I don't know if you know me or not. You know, I'm not going to come up like, hey, well, you should know me. If you're a wrestling fan or if you're in this business, you should know me. I don't know. If I, and, and one of the most things, like, we go to these uh, – I went to a uh, wrestlecade, and I would see guys that I'm a big fan of now, and they would be like, no, man, I know who the fuck you are. You're Chris Hammer. You do the bump. You know, and I'm like, wow, that made me feel good. You know what I'm saying? Um, one of the biggest shots was um, – who was it? Well, first of all, the Young Bucks knew me. That that I popped for that. Um, Adam Cole knew me before he went to WWE. We actually talked a couple times. Um, but there was somebody. Oh, uh, Simon Grimm used to be one of the ball villains or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I go up to the, the thing and I introduce myself. He goes, man, I know who the fuck you are. Are you serious? You think nobody knows who you are? And I went, I don't know, fuck. I guess you, okay. You know, so that makes you feel good. But as far as 
fuck, I don't know. I don't know somebody that I really thought would make it and didn't. Uh, I will tell you this, out of ECW, I'm very surprised that Julio never made it anywhere bigger than what he did, and Christian Norton never made it. Those are two guys that really I thought should have made it. As far as the SATs, the SATs should be millionaires. Do you know them guys? The Maximos, Jose and Joel, and Red? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those guys should be millionaires because they they invented so much of the shit that is being done today. It's unbelievable. It's crazy who gets the pushes and who don't, right? Yeah, it really is. It really is. Well, Ricky Morton always told everybody that if Chris Hammer learned to keep his mouth shut, he'd make a million dollars in his business. So I thought Ricky could fuck himself. <laughs> so, so do you reckon he was right though is that why he's having to go fuck himself I figure I probably lost more bookings by this right here instead of not being able to work you know what I'm saying but I mean and that just goes to show you man you could be you know a good worker and something else could keep you out yeah I, I love to have fun man I love to have fun and, and I say what's on my mind you know a lot of people consider me a true heel but if I don't like something, I'm going to let you know I don't like it. If it hurts your feelings, I don't give a fuck. Be mad. Get a towel and put it around your neck and be super mad. I could give a fuck less. <laughs> it's crazy, man. And, and that's why we wanted to get you on as well, because, you know, you don't beat around the bush, as they say. Um, well, when I first came to FWA, right, they originally – I was originally booked – and then SPW asked me to cancel my bookings because they needed me for their two shows in Pittsburgh. And I'm like, okay, you're asking me to cancel 10 shows for two shows. He goes, well, we're putting the tag titles on you and Tracy and we need you there. So I actually canceled and I got Chris Chetty to bookings. Well, SPW decided they were going to fucking close down. And I'm like, well, this is great. And uh, luckily Chris had to cancel and I got back on the shows. So I get there, and Alex Shane is showing me a, a, a newspaper article, and it has this much about Tuvi, has this much about Chris Chetty, and this much about Alex Shane. And I'm like, damn, Dusty, who are you trying to push? And you know, just joking around. Well, he got hot about it. He told me he's telling everybody about it. Fuck Chris Hammer. He don't, you know, who does he think he is? And then like, and by the end of the tour, me and Shane were fucking awesome friends. He actually <laughs> requested that, that if he opened the school, would I move over there and run it? And I was like, oh, God, yeah, before God got the word, I'd be here. But it never happened. But, yeah, I loved Shit. Alex Shane. You know, it's funny because we were actually training around that time where there was talk that Alex Shane was going to open up the school because we were going to a place in London called Romford. Um, quite was it Romford? RQW House, wasn't it? It was da Dagenham. Dagenham. Dagenham, yeah, Dagenham, yeah. And it was a, a guy called Len Davis who had like a video production place upstairs, and downstairs he had this ring with a really fucking low ceiling. Um, right. and I'm like quite a high flying guy, so every time I'll stand on the top turnbuckle, I'd smack my head on the fucking ceiling. Um, so it was crazy, man, the, the, the times we had in there, but that was around that time. Can you, I mean, Jordan, can you imagine a training school run by Alex Shane where Chris Hamrick was the trainer? I don't think I would have missed a session. Well, he asked me, I mean, you know, he said, if I was open up with school, would you, would you think about moving over here and running it for me? And I went, absolutely, I would. I love England. Absolutely love it. 
man, we um, we would have loved that. That's great. I mean, you know, FWA as well, at, at, at times, it, it got fairly big over here. You know, we had Alex Shane was really pushing it, and we had uh, Mick Foley come over. You know, we had Christopher Daniels. We had AJ Styles. You know, we were having some quite big names coming over. And um, for whatever reason, you I, know. I don't FWA... think many of them won the All England Championship, though. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> wasn't wasn't that the only American to hold that at the time? Pretty uh, sure. Yeah, you were the first. Yeah, you were the first American to hold it. Um, and that wasn't even planned. It's just that I got over so much doing that comedy shit that they decided to put that belt on me. Who, who did you take it off? And I wasn't even supposed to... I'm sorry. Who did you take it off? Did you take it off Johnny? I want to say it was Johnny. Yeah, I believe yeah. it was. And then uh, I wasn't even supposed to wrestle Hoovy. But the last night of the tour, they put that match together. I bet that was great. It was funny because, like, it was the ring was here, and then it was a ledge inside the building up here. And when before the people come in, you know, you really don't when you don't really feel it till your adrenaline's kicking in. And I'm like, Hoovy, I wonder if I could jump from here. You move. I missed a leg drop. And I was like, I wonder if I could clear the rope. But, I mean, it, shit, I jumped over halfway in it when I did it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was fun. And the funny, I'm going to tell you the funny story about it. Hoovy put me in a stretch, right? And when he stretched me, I farted on him. And I went, <laughs> ah, it's Hoovy. He's professional. He's not going to say nothing. Hoovy jumps up. He goes, he fucking farted. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy, man. Yeah, I, I loved it over there. Even with the 1PW, I loved it over there. Yeah, because you worked with 1PW as well as FWA. Um, what was that, around 2004 or something, was it? I think it was, yeah. But, man, they had some kick-ass shows. My God. They, I mean, they really did. They had some damn good shows. 1PW was fucking was legit. Yeah, they did have some good shows around that time, definitely. There's I've got um I've got a nice DVD set of one PW with some real shit hot matches on there. Real good stuff. Sad, the sad thing is about things like one PW and FWS, they just couldn't get a TV deal in the UK. It just didn't it it was almost dependent on getting something like with a bigger bigger scale. Right, right, right. Yeah, it just never it, just couldn't get to TV. I don't know why. Like it did get to some really small channels, like with very, very low sort of output. But it was a shame because again, we went to a lot of FWA shows, especially around Hertfordshire, and it just yeah, it just didn't pay off. But it was a yeah, one PW was, was good fun. Yeah, because I mean, even Jerry Lynn was coming over here, I remember. Yeah. You know, Jerry Lynn was a regular over here. Um, you know, we've it, it, it's a shame really because in England, we do get some really good independent shows that get some really good talents come over, like American um, guys. You know, I mean, we, we have one of the best guys I've seen come over was Gangrel as well. You know, he's he was a regular over over here. Um, we've seen on your on the Wikipedia of your list of of championships that you've, you've had. There was one that was all star wrestling. Now, was that Dixon's in the UK or was that an American all star? Most of an American guy. I've never, I never worked for Ditson. You never worked for him, no. Nope. Did well, Did you ever? Not booking me. 
in in 2001 when uh, WCW and well when ECW folded did you ever get the call from WCW or WWFE like around that time okay I was uh, under contract with WS, WSX was that the one the MTV deal oh mate I, yeah we'll yeah, talk about that X, as well yeah, yeah. I was a huge fan of that and I was gutted that it didn't go anywhere okay so Tommy Dreamer calls me this is when they were going to bring ECW back and he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm offer you a deal with the ECW, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. Well, I said, as a matter of fact, I was actually coming to England because I was going to Canada for a month, and then I was coming to England. I said, as soon as I get back, I'll let you know, and you can send me my deal. So I got back, and I'm like, we're in my deal. He's like, well, you're under contract with WSX. So I went, well, technically I'm not because I forgot to sign a couple places. They sent me back in the mail saying sign it and send it back, and I just never sent it back. And I said, well, if I get out of my deal, we, you know, I get a contract. And he goes, yeah. So I called Kevin Kleinrock. He's like, yeah, we're going to let you, New Jack, Just Incredible, and maybe somebody else out of the deals. So I called Tommy. I said, hey, I'm out of my contract. Can I get a deal? And he's like, well, they're not interested anymore. And I went, well, why would they be cool when they could have Mark Henry? So that was the closest it ever came. Because um, didn't when ECW folded in two, around two thousand and one, didn't they have one like show or pay per view that was kind of branded something else? Was there a, a, a show that they had after? Well, might be I don't like... know. I remember WWE had that ECW dismember December or something. Yes, yeah, yeah, the dis- like yeah, the worst pay per view ever. Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> did Did you ever get the calls for one night stand? Because they did those as well. No, I never did. Damn. That's the ones I was. That's the ones I was talking about. The one night stands. Yeah, yeah I mean, what well, El Shane never even booked me for the shows that he was running. What the hell was it? The House of Hardcore or something, wasn't it? Nope, never heard. I mean, me and Tommy were real good friends, but I can understand. I mean, he's he had a lot of good talent up there. You, you worked in TNA as well, right? For a little bit under a mask? No, that was Crimson Dragon. I don't know who the fuck you're talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I get there, right? I go do my tryout and fuck, I don't remember. Somebody comes up and says, hey, uh, Jerry Jarrett's been wanting to bring in luchador. Said, you fit that style perfect. Would you be ejected to wearing a luchador outfit? And I went, am I getting paid? He goes, yeah. And I went, well, fuck no. I'll do it. So <laughs> they call me. And he goes, okay, well, we've got the outfit. Don't worry about it. So I get there, and it's a red pleather outfit that I wore in ECW just without my name and a white mask. And I went, yeah, nobody's going to know this is me. I said, fucking Ray Charles could tell this was me. So, but the thing about it is, is okay, so I wrestled um, AJ and Jorge Estrada in the three-way. And it was a very good match. Yeah. And they brought me back the next week, and I was working Sonny Siaki. And I don't know, I guess in my mind, I put, I, I put it, my job to me was to put him over and I made him look like a million bucks and I may have fucked myself out of it because I made me look weak in doing so. You know what I'm saying? And um, I don't know. After that, they never brought me back. So I don't, I really couldn't tell you. Is, is that when you went to XPW afterwards? Probably so. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, I had a fucking blast in that XPW. I know they were the heels of the wrestling community or whatever, but man, I had a blast there. Um, I mean, I've, I've got um, 
I've got a few XPW bits and bobs like uh, DVDs and stuff. And there was there was something called After the Fall. Um, it was an event and it had like so many people on there. I think there was like Jimmy Hart, you know, the Nasty Boys, you know, like they, they were packed with uh, with talent around a certain time. They had loads of people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, but I mean, the thing about it was, is I would suggest somebody to them, and we had a bunch of at, at CCW guys, but you know, according to the people, they were the shits now, and blah. Just two months earlier, you know, they were fucking holy shits and the best thing on pay per view. So whatever, you know. But yeah, I had a blast there. Really did. You um. You were with uh, Tracy Smothers in in XPW, right? The tag team. I was Southern Comfort. Yep, Southern Comfort. Yeah, you the champs as well, right? No, we never. The they, you know, the match that we were supposed to win the belts, they decided to close down. Oh shit! Yeah, okay. that, I mean that's what I was told. I was told that me and Tracy was going to be the next champs. I think M Dog and Josh Prohibition were the champs when it went under. Uh, okay. Because um, you worked as Southern Comfort in IWC as well, I think. Yes, yes. Now, we did win the belts there. Yes, that, that's probably I'm getting confused because I remember I watched um, a match against the Wildcats, Eddie Kingston and um, Marciano. When sure, they were... that was IWA, Mid-South? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I think, well, maybe, I think we did work them for IWA too. Matter of fact, I hear... The one with that fucking move that you liked. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was I. Yeah. That was IWC. I think it was. I think it was IWC. Yeah. I mean, because Eddie Kingston is is doing well in um in AEW right now as well, right? Yeah, man. God bless him. He deserves it. He really does. He's bust his ass for so many years in the Indies. He deserves it. He really does. He looked. He looked fucking fresh faced when you guys wrestled there, man. He looked real. Oh young. yeah, baby face. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, I mean, do you watch any WWE at all? Like, is that something that just off your radar at the minute? WrestleMania. I watch WrestleMania. And, and I just, I couldn't watch it without the crowds. I'm sorry. I just, no, no, I usually yeah. try to watch every pay-per-view, but without the crowds, I just, I have no interest in it whatsoever watching it. I mean, even they got the monitors or whatever the fuck. It's, it's not the same, so. And the thing about it is, and it's sad because like, I was a big Adam Cole mark. Um, think of who else is there that I was marked for. Matt Riddle. Love fucking Matt Riddle. And I love watching these guys on the indies. But once they go to NST, it's just like I lose the desire to watch them. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you feel like they do you feel like they're cutting some of their some of their good stuff off? Is that is that one of the Maybe, but yeah, I just I don't I'm just, I have no desire to watch them after that. Unless it's like, like I said, the pay-per-view, you know, the whatever. But other than just a regular show, I just, I don't, I'd rather watch some, I'd rather watch a good indie. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it can get to the point when it's overproduced, you know, where, you know, there's too many changes of camera shots. Um, You know, the, the promos are a little bit, you too scripted, you know, you can, you know, you can look at people while they're doing the promo and just know that they're reading the script. It's not coming fresh off the top, you know, it's not right, right. in the moment. And sometimes 
you know, the indies are great for just giving someone a fucking mic and just saying, yeah, you know, there you go. You've got a few minutes, you know, crack on. Right. And the funny thing is, uh, I don't know if y'all ever seen, God, I don't remember, was it maybe November to remember or something? Anyway, one of the pay-per-views, it was me and Julio and Easy against Roadkill, Doran, and Spike Dudley. And so I'm getting ready to go out, and Tommy Dreamer goes, do you know what you're going to say on your promo, Chris Hammer? And I went, excuse me, what promo? He goes, you're doing a promo about being three on two or whatever. He goes, no cursing, Chris Hammer. I went, no problem, Tommy Dreamer. So then I get out there, and I go, hey, it'd be really fair for three against two, but what the fuck? And then I hit it with a microphone. I come back, I went, sorry. He goes, no, Tommy's, no, Paul liked it, so it's good. I went, shit. <laughs> so um w- when it comes to wrestling society x um when that when that started i was really excited about it because around that time you know you had it was just after i think wcw weren't really around anymore um yeah, it was gone yeah. it was gone weren't it by that point and it was just nice to I liked the way it looked. It looked nice and gritty. It wasn't too overproduced or whatever. But then when you watch the DVDs, some parts of it later on became a bit more overproduced. Um, but you and New Jack had some crazy stuff. I swear you, you know, jumping out from outside the ring into the ring through tables and stuff like that. Um, what what was it like? Who, how, who approached you about Wrestling Society X? And how did you get involved with it all? Honestly, Kevin Kleinrock called me. And asked me would I be interested. And my first question was, was it pay? And um, he told me, you know, somewhere around the SPW pay or whatever. I went, well, yeah, hell yeah. The thing about it is, is like, they wanted me come in a day early to practice that battle royal. And I went, Kevin Kleinberg, I'm not coming in a day early to practice a fucking battle royal. Yeah. You tell me when you want me out, and I'm pretty sure I can get out by the time you want me to. But I'm not practicing a fucking battle royal. And, uh, I mean, that was the only thing they ever did with me With me was the thing with New Jack. Yeah. And I knew it wasn't going to last because, like, you can only comprehend so much shit happening at one time. You got something exploding over here, something going on over here, something over here. If you watch one, you're missing two things. So, you know, it's just – it was too much, I think. Is I, I think that the, the people – because it was MTV – I think right. maybe they a lot, a lot of the yeah, a lot of the people didn't really have a clue about what you know how things worked. You know they should have really got a lot more wrestling people involved in it. You know I mean because right. there were some good guys on the show. I mean they had you, they had New Jack, they had Vampiro, they had like Evan Bourne, um, you know Jack Evans. You know they had lo- loads of people on the show that could actually work you know if it was if it was run correctly you know but right. it was, you know it didn't get past the fucking starting gate really did it i think originally they were going to team me up with adam pierce and we were going to be doing some kind of tag team or whatever but i don't know i don't know i have to i just like pay me and shut the fuck up <laughs> any uh any instances of crazy, crazy cornet? Of what? Crazy cornet, crazy Jim. Um, everyone seems to have a story of Jim doing something crazy, and 
You know, is there any Jimmy time Lou. you might have... Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Lou. <laughs> uh, no, I'm asking who, who's he talking about? Jim who? Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette. Oh shit! I ain't really got no crazy story. He loved me. Um, after my bump with the one two three kid, he came up and asked me. He goes, you know, would you come and do my TV? And I went. Here's my card. Call me. He called me, and uh, I went. And, and you know, he's like, well, the people in New York saw the bump. I saw so much more. And so I went from jobbing one time a night to jobbing four times a night for him. And um, he just, you know, I don't know. I, I just one day I was like, I don't feel like going anymore. And I quit fucking returning his calls. And I ain't got no heat with Cornette. I just, you know. He's got opinion about everything, though. Yeah, yeah, he that's does. How he some does. of it, right? Some of it's, you know, some of it don't don't click. That's how he hits them numbers on the podcast, baby. That's how he does it. With those absolutely, hot- he's working the gimmick, man. Yeah, that's a hundred percent correct, man. He's work. He's working everyone, as they say. He's just an AEW check every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when when it came to jobbing four times a night. Did that? Was it four times the pay? No. Damn. Absolutely not. Of course it weren't. No. <laughs> I just uh, today again I watched uh, an episode of Smoky Mountain, and it was, uh, I think it was you guys versus the Armstrongs. Me and Easy. Yeah. Got fire. Yeah, it was. Um, and on the same show, you had um, Jericho and Lance Storm, you know, Tammy, Candido. Around that time, 1994, Smoky Mountain, there was there was some real good guys there, you know. There was some good stuff going on. It was when Cornette got his face chucked in a cake. I mean, right, 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 right. It was around that time. Yeah, so, um, well, back in that time, man, it was gold. It really was. They're all on the network, man. Like, there's there's quite a bit of Smoky Mountain on there now. Is it really? Mm. There ain't no network anymore, is there? Ain't it like Peacock or something? We oh shit! Still, yeah, we still yeah. have the network in the UK. In oh, the UK. Yeah, we've still got the network. So um, we're fingers crossed as well that they kind of keep their fucking hands off it, you know, <laughs> and we can yeah. still watch the stuff that we like to watch because there has been a lot of talk about stuff being taken off there. And, you know, especially in America, the, the fact that you're not able to really search all the stuff that's that's on there now. But in the UK, we've still got, I mean, there's a lot of independent stuff on there, UK independent stuff. Well, I think there's a, there's a real problem right now with the American sort of the Peacock version is that they, anything that's not necessarily deemed, you know, politically correct anymore. Oh my God, America's so pussyfied. Yeah, it's it. Is England that way? Is England still fucking a little bit? <laughs> it, my it's God, what has happened, man? It's getting there. It's. I mean, we had this conversation on the podcast a couple of weeks back about who deems what is suitable and what's not. I mean, you can't fucking you can't erase history. You can't erase what has been. You know, and to we, we were saying, you know, just put a disclaimer on there. Just say, look, this was fucking you know x amount of years ago. Things were different. You know, this is what it was. You know, just leave it be. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Just just right. leave it be. Like, don't edit the... Because the, the, some people want to watch it. You know, like, you know, the Attitude Era, some of the Smoky Mountain stuff, um, you know, probably is deemed a little bit close to the mark. You know, right. 
by by today's standards, but shit, you know, it's it was good shit back then, and people still want to. I'm, watch I'm it. pretty sure, pretty sure, New Jack stuff from Smoky Mountain is not going to make it onto Peacock. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, most of his shit from ECW won't. <laughs> it's true. I love that guy to death. Do you hear me? It's um, it, he's we've just watched the um, there's the Dark Side of the Ring episode about New Jack that is I don't know is is it that recent? It's not that long. New ago, Jack, I think it? it was season two. I think it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't too recent. Like Pillman was the football. Uh, here, out, yeah. Here's the thing about that is every time that New Jack did something, it was well deserved. I mean, when the guy when he stabbed the guy in Florida, the guy fucking locked up with him and froze up on him. So if you've got a if you got a reputation like New Jack of being hardcore, you know, blah blah blah, you never know who's going to try to take that. All they have to do is beat your ass one night, and all of a sudden they're the talk of the town now, and you're yesterday's news. So New Jack had to he had to protect what the fuck was his. So this guy's this big guy's standing on him. He's not moving. He won't down down. Jack got him the fuck off of him like he had to. Mm. Yeah, it ain't I mean, like he just went in, locked up with him, and started stabbing him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the same thing. With Gypsy Joe, Gypsy Joe tried to no sell him and fucking hit him in the ear, and New Jack went crazy and beat the fuck out of him. Well deserved. <laughs> I I I do agree with the Gypsy Joe. I mean, and I've watched it a few times, and you think you know, if you're just gonna fucking no sell New Jack, what do you expect is gonna happen? He's gonna beat the snot out of you. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely. New Jack's not a gimmick. But I've, I've wrestled him probably 30 to 50 times. He's never hurt me one time other than when he dropped that elbow, and that was by mistake. Yeah, He's never hurt me any time whatsoever. And I'd rather wrestle him than have a damn classic match with Jerry Lynn because you ain't got to remember spots. <laughs> I, I told Jerry Lynn one time in ECW, I said, you know how it's been rumored or said that you can't have a match with Jerry Lynn? I said, we've got to prove him wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Uh, it, like I say, it's great to have you on here, Chris. It's nice to be um, talking to someone who's been everywhere. I mean, you've you've worked with pretty much the spectrum of, of wrestlers. You know, you've worked with people like AJ Styles. You know, you've worked with Al Snow, the Blue Meanie, Bobby Eaton, Dennis Condry, Jerry Lynn, Billy Gunn, Jay Briscoe, C.W. Anderson, you know, people, the Armstrongs, you know, you've worked with Tommy Rich, you know, you've worked with the spectrum of what people can call all the different types of wrestlers. And I worked with Wahoo Daniel. You know, fucking hell, man. You know, it's just incredible. Like the, 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 how durable and versatile you are in the ring. And we truly feel that not that you're like overlooked because people that know fucking, they know, you know, people that know about wrestling and, you know, have been around and watched stuff. They know Chris Hamrick and they know how good you are and how, you know, you can work in the ring. Um, and it just goes to show with how you can literally, you could have a match with a teddy bear as a nine-year-old in a ring. Well, I knew I wasn't going to stiff the teddy bear. If I did, nobody fucking cared. <laughs> but I've been lucky. I mean, I've really, I've been lucky. I've never, like I said, you know, I've never been hurt. I've never been, had a broken bone. I've never hurt anybody intentionally. Um, 
I go back and I watch some of my shit. I wouldn't want to work me. I do stupid shit. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, for example, I wrestled uh, Shark Boy at the at the ECW arena, right, for SPW. And I go up to him. I go, hey, uh, they want me over. He goes, cool, what's your finish? I went, pile driver off top rope. He goes, cool, how you want to set it up? Now, if that was me, I'd be like, I think we should do sleeper instead. Yeah. I'm not taking a fucking pile driver off. To, are you kidding me? But I never had anybody to refuse it, and I never heard anybody doing it. Well, you used to do like the fucking razor's edge to like pile driver off the top, right? I did it once to Angel, and I think you did it to bloody uh, Johnny Storm as well. I think you Maybe. did it to yeah. I remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've seen you in the UK at a show because like Jordan was saying, we used to go to um, FWA shows all the time because it was, they were all around really locally where, where we are. It was like our local, you know, British Federation or whatever. And yeah, I think there's one on YouTube, mate. If you have a look, um, a, a match of you versus Johnny Storm from around 2003. I think Johnny went over, he had the belt already. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure you did like a, a razor's edge tombstone on Johnny from the from the top. It was crazy, man. It looked fucking deadly. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wouldn't work me for nothing. I because I made a I made a career out of telling people no. I'm sorry, but if I don't know you and you're not going top rope when you wrestle me, because I don't know if you know what the fuck you're doing or not. If I lay there, then I'm the idiot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember wrestling Abyss. Me and Julio wrestled Abyss and somebody before he was Abyss. And uh, I was like, well, who's this big Terry Gordy-looking motherfucker? I was like, I don't know him, you know. <laughs> and so everything that he asked me to do, I'd be like, nope, nope. So then when he was Abyss, I asked him one day, I went, why didn't you do anything with that? He goes, well, Hammer, see if this sounds familiar. Hey, Hammer, can I do this? Nope. I was, yeah, that does sound like me. Never mind. <laughs> but to be fair to you that's probably why you haven't had a shitload of fucking injuries man because you know it's it's a, you know it like you say it's a two-way street wrestling you know and you're more likely really to be injured by people that don't really know what they're doing if they're going to try some new shit or you know they're not as experienced and they kind of want to get their shit in or whatever you know right, try something they saw on tv fuck you i'm not laying there yeah, but but it's not like you've never put people over either, because that right. is that you know. So you know to say yeah, you might have told people fuck no, I'm not doing that, but you've never like said no to doing a job, you know. So and you've you've done it amazingly through your career, you know. No, actually, when I go to indie shows and like they'll have my name underlined or whatever, I'll go in the race it and put my opponent's name, and I'll be like, let's build him up. People know I can work. If if he beats me by cheating then there's no shame in that. You know what I'm saying? And that's what you can't get guys to understand. Yeah. You know, I can go out, I wrestle them all through the whole match. And if I've actually done it to where I went in and did 90% of the shit, and then I go to do a crossbody, and they roll through, put my tights, pin me with one move. I went, you're made, you know? Yeah. You go up and brag, and when you do your promos or whatever, I beat Chris Hamrick with one move. I took everything he had, and I beat him with one move. And they don't understand that. You know, you ain't got to go in and drop me on my head 52 times. Fuck. Yeah. That, well, there, there's been a few matches recently. One of them recently in Japan that 
we we won't mention, but it, it, one that happened in Japan where it was just literally like fucking no selling. The whole match was just, you know. See, um, and I don't get that neither because, okay, that's strong style or whatever. Okay, to me, are you going to get more sympathy if you sit there and fucking forearm each other in the face, no sale, blah, 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 or each time you get hit, you fall, and you're actually using the ropes to fucking pull yourself to get back up to do it again. You know what I'm saying? To mm. me, that's fucking hard. Not sitting there taking a fucking hit in the face. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. Like you say, that is hard. If you're hard taking psychology. Yeah. Yes. It's but it's psychology one oh one, isn't it? That's the thing. It's psychology one oh one. I guarantee you, each time that he hit me and I go down, and first I get up kind of easy, second time it's a little struggle. By that last time, these motherfuckers are going to be going, you got this, you got this, you got this. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. That's how you fucking tell stories, man. But like we said before, it's like every, everyone wants to be the tough guy and no one wants, wants to... to be equal with the guy that they're wrestling. And yeah. it's so fucking stupid. Yeah. It's not even wrestling anymore. It's an athletic contest because you don't have a heel and a baby face. You got two equal guys that are f- fucking doing the same shit to each other. Yeah. It's, it, well, I mean, we, we're we a retro wrestling podcast. So we, like Jordan was saying, we watch a lot of the older stuff. And we, we love, I think also it's part, because we're British and we love that kind of world of sport comedy um, aspect to it as well. Like the acting part of it as well. You know, we, we love that, the characters you know, and the actual telling of the story and the work in the crowds and stuff like that. You know, like you say, it's 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 cool if you want to come and watch a couple of matches that are these athletic contests where you can see people really pushing the limits of what humans can do and stuff like that. But shit, sometimes you just want to laugh your ass off. Sometimes you Absolutely. just want to call someone a fucking bastard and point your finger and boo them. And, you know, that's what we've grown up to love. And that's missing. But the thing about it is, if you do that, they just look at you and they won't say shit. Yeah. And it's a shame because people are wanting to get in interactions with the heel, but the heel won't say nothing. So, I mean, you know, you can only do so much. But fuck, that was the fun part of being a heel, man. Yeah, man. We we all want Chris Hamrick to tell us that uh, he did our mum when she was a rat. You know, we all we want that. That's why that's why we go to the shows for that shit. That's you know, and this is why we're chomping at the bit to get the crowds back in the buildings and get back on the shows. Well, see, when people go to wrestling, they've been to work forty hours at work. They put up with boss man shit. They put up with their wife shit, and this is where they get to come and and put out their frustration. Well, if you're not giving them nothing to fucking argue with, then they've got nothing to do. I mean, yeah, okay, well, you can hit him. Okay, well. That didn't hurt, obviously, you know, and just there's no fun in it anymore. So, well, I we, heels and baby faces would still work in today because it's so fucking old, it's new again. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, that is. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not what you do, it's how it's done. And if, you know, we can, if people, enough people call for it, then maybe, you know, because we were really excited when we saw MJF. We were thinking, this guy is going to be the yeah. renaissance of the fucking, you he's know. Gonna bring, he's going to bring the heel back. Yeah, he's going to bring the heel back. He's going to be our modern day um, Bobby the Brain Heenan. 
He is going to be, he's going to bring that shit back. He's going to make everybody hate him for being a piece of shit. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, it was getting there and then it's been pulled back. So we still, you know. I think when Cody, I think Cody was the one that said that there's really no baby face heel bullshit. Yeah. So I think, I think they made him pull back on it. I really do. I think that's like, hey, you know, you're, you're fighting a losing cause here. Why do it? I mean, I honestly believe that's what happened. But don't don't you think it's crazy where you've got? I mean, we watch AEW all the time. We watch it regularly. You know, some weeks I will watch every single minute of their programming. I will watch AEW Dynamite. I'll watch Dark and I'll watch Dark Elevation. I'll watch everything that is available. And I think it's crazy when you've got people who know about the psychology of the business. Behind the curtain, you've got, you know, your Arn Andersons, your Tully Blanchards, you've got your Jake the Snake Roberts, you know, you've got these guys that were the fucking kings of psychology. And the, oh, you've got Jerry Lynn back there. Jerry Lynn, the, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I honestly believe it's the where they tell them not to do it. I'm not Jerry and them, but I think that the higher ups are telling them, like, hey, we're getting rid of this baby face hill. Let's not do this. Honestly, believe that's it. Yeah, it's it, like I say, it's it's upsetting for us because we were all so excited when, you know, when AEW started up again. We because we know wrestlers and we know how it is being a wrestler. We know that the more companies that are out there for for the boys to work and the girls to work at, it's fuck it, it's better for everyone. You know, oh, so gosh. you know the more places where people have got a chance to go and work fantastic you know and we just we felt that and we still feel i think that if AEW wants to succeed long term i think they do need to kind of bring a bit more of that psychology aspect back to it because we think it would work with the guys they've got if you remember the very first pay-per-view they did the main event was dustin and cody that yeah. matched anything that they did on that show away because of the fucking story that was being told. Yeah. yeah, you got young bucks out there doing fucking 450s, shooting stars and all that, but nothing meant as much as that main event by the story they told. Yeah. They should realize that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another guy that they've got working there, Dustin. I mean, look look how long Dustin's been in the business for. You know, he was, he's been there from... From a, a pup, you know, his dad was Dusty Rhodes, for God's sake. Same as Cody, you know. It's these guys are from a legacy of wrestling, you know. So they, right, right. You know, if, of all people, they should they should know. But it, I still think that it's Cody and them saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this our way." There's not gonna be baby face. There's not gonna be heels. It'll be athletic competitions, blah blah, and that's what they got to go with. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's why they've that's why they're going with the rating system as well, right? You know the rankings. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And it's a shame because I mean they got so much talent. I fucking love the Young Bucks. I wish the Young Bucks had vaginas and low standards. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you know that is definitely one of the clips for the show, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they they really have got some good characters in AEW. You know, I, I'm a real fan of Abaddon. I think um, if they went old school with Abaddon and had her 
have a mouthpiece, you know? So back in the days where you couldn't have someone like a character that didn't really talk, you would have a really good manager that yeah, would just, right, right. you know, Abaddon with a, a really good mouthpiece. I think well, they've be... got um, Vicky Guerrero up there, right? I mean, what a yeah. great mouthpiece she is. Yeah. Would you not want to do it, Chris? I'm sorry? Would you want to do it? Well, I want to do what? Vicky be, Guerrero? Be, no, be the, be the mouth. You didn't tell nobody. <laughs> If she promised me she wouldn't tell nobody, maybe. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> well, they have released... There, there's a towel with her in a bikini, isn't there? They've, AEW released <laughs> some beach towels. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, would you think about getting into managing then? Like, you know, because you can talk the talk. I would love to be an agent or a manager up there. But nobody wants to hear what I got to say, so... Yo, listen, Tony... Um, we're, we're not sure if Tony Khan or Cody does listen to our podcast, um, but if they are listening and they are out there, you know, the, the, the wealth of experience that you have, Chris, you know, you would be an asset to any company, I think, you know, behind the curtain. Um, well, I appreciate that. You know, we, we honestly, we honestly feel that. And that's why we, you know, we contacted you to, to get on the show because you are, you know, you are, like I said before, the wrestler's wrestler, you know, and you were saying that you were going, introducing yourself to guys and they were like, fuck man, we know who you are, you know, geez. It's, um, and that is a testament to, to what you've done in the business. Well, you know, I did what I did when it was cool to do what I did. <laughs> and, and honestly, and like I said, I've got this young guy, Chase uh, Loveless that I'm showing interest in. And I want to go up there, and it's it's kind of like the you know the athletic competition. Everybody's scared to be a fucking heel. I'm gonna be a heel. I'm gonna be a chicken shit heel. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I told the promoter, I said I do believe this will fucking still get over. And so that's one thing that I want to go up there and prove that you still can have good versus bad. But the bad's got to be bad to be bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh man, we we we're fully on board with that, right, George? Have you ever seen my match with CM Punk? Shit, where, where was that? Oh. Uh, WA Mid-South. Mid-South, right. Shit, write it down, dude. We're going to yeah. watch that directly <laughs> after this interview. That. The best part about it is is the way we set the match up. Punk, I think Punk was working TNA at the time. Right. And he comes out and he goes, hey, I got a head injury. I'm not going to be able to wrestle. And I come out and go, hey, I came to wrestle the best. You are the best, so let's do this. I ain't even going to touch your head. He goes, well, you won't touch my head? I'm like, Scout's honor. So during the match, we actually did a couple baby face spots. And then, like, um, I did the hammer bump through the ropes. Punk hold the ropes open for me. I come back in. We had them where we wanted them. So the next thing I did, I was going to do a marrow salt. And I caught my leg in the tree of woe. So I'm selling the leg. Punk's over there helping me and everything. And then when he turns around, I kick him right in the back of the head. Man, those people were pissed. Oh, my God, were they mad. But that, that's heel shit. You know what I'm saying? But that and but that's the thing. People people still do yearn for that kind of stuff. There is still definitely an audience for, for, for that. I mean, I, I like to describe wrestling as like a soap opera for men who like to watch other men be kicked in the face. You know, it is a, a soap opera, you know, where you want to see the good guys and the bad guys because that's what keeps you watching. Like you say, if you're watching the same match just with different guys all the time. It does get Absolutely. boring. Yeah. 
It's another athletic contest. What's different from the athletic contest before that and what's different from the athletic contest after that? It's just like when I do seminars, I'm like, guys, if you want to stand out, you got to be fucking different. You can come in, you do hip tosses, body slams, arm drags, drop kicks, and you're going to stand out. You're going to be in just like everybody else. But if you do that one thing that catches everybody's attention, going, fuck, we haven't seen that yet, that's when you start making a name for yourself. Well, it's it's funny as well. We've spoken on the podcast about how UFC and boxing, both athletic competitions, are actually becoming more pro wrestling where they're having the promos and they're having the kind of backstage stuff going on where you are seeing... Yeah, you know, and you are seeing a good guy and a bad guy. And those matches in UFC and boxing where you do have the heel and the face, they're the ones that fucking draw every single time. That was draws the money, man. You got to yeah. have that one smart ass. They said he's better than everybody else. Everybody wants to come see him get his ass whooped. And yeah. then everybody wants to see the baby face to whoop his ass. That's yep. how you draw people, man. Yep. Um. Chris, you've crossed you've crossed over eras like seamlessly, and I mean, I didn't even know you. I didn't know you worked with CM Punk as well. So let's add that name to the list. Ever thought about writing a book? I forget half the shit I got. I'm I'm good if you remind me of shit, but as far as dates and all, I'm so bad at that shit. I really am. I I think if if you wrote a book, it would it would 100% sell. It would be because like Jordan's saying, you have, you've come through eras, you know, from when was your debut? Like 1983, was it? 83. Yeah. Damn. You know, so you've come all the way through 83, late eighties, early nineties, late nineties. Then you've got, you know, through ECW. And, you know, I think you even worked for a little bit in WWF around what? 2005 ish. I was doing like extra work shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's um, it, it really would be an incredible read. So maybe maybe if you can get someone to to sit down with you, you know, get some the old dictaphones or whatever, you know, maybe put your thoughts down and shit like that. That'd be incredible. Oh, dude, dude, I've done so much where somebody asked me something, and then when it hits me, I go, "Oh fuck, I did do that, didn't I?" Shit. <laughs> so many stories, but you know, unless I'm reminded of them, it was just like. So much shit, you know? Man, maybe maybe me and Jordan need to uh, get together with you again a few times and maybe we can help you get some notes together and, you know, do some stuff like that. You know, for that'd me. Be, that'd be incredible. Uh... Have you ever thought doing a podcast or anything like that as well, Chris? I mean, you must know shitloads of people. I mean, and, you know, as as they say in the UK, it's a, <laughs> a saying where when it comes to podcast, every cunt and their uncle's got one now. Yeah, everybody's got one. So are you going <laughs> to listen to me or are you going to listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin? Are you going to listen to me or are you going to listen to Jericho? You know what I'm saying? That's... No, there's there's room for everyone, baby. There's room, ah. you know. Yeah, people's, you know, if you think about on the, I mean, we listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, we listen to Bruce Pritchard. We listen to a bit of Cornet. You know, we listen to Stone Cold. We listen to Jericho. But, you know, there's there's room in our week for a Chris Hamrick hour. 100%, man. Yeah, I don't know about all that. They don't know, <laughs> nobody like to hear me talk live, much less on the fucking microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's the perfect place to wrap it. Um, Chris, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for your time. This has been 
It's been so fucking real. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. Y'all want to do part two? Let me know. Oh, we, I, yeah. I, yeah. We're, we're, we'll be thrilled to have, have you on again. It's been so cool to have you here, like telling your stories and telling us, you know, what's been going on. And, you know, I could listen to you talk for another couple of hours about like the psychology and, you know, heel and babyface stuff, but. Well, let's go. Where are you going? <laughs> we got, let's go. We'll definitely have to schedule a part two. Um, hey, y'all should got rats over there. Are we, are you I'm laughing? sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'm sure there's some rats over here. There's rats everywhere, right? We're allowed to call them rats over here anymore, even though they were rats when they were rats about being rats, but they're not rats anymore. Well, I mean there's there's I mean maybe we can talk a little bit more then about stuff because it's funny where it things haven't changed, but people like to try and say that things have changed, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, you know, because humans are still humans, you know, we still have the same, you know, urges and desires and the things that we want to watch and the things that we like and the things that we don't like, you know, and it's, um, is I think it is the political correctness. It's where, that, that word we don't like is woke. But. Yeah, we, yeah, we're, we, we're not, a, we're not a fan of that. You know, we, yeah. our podcast, I think is one of the most outspoken ones on the um on the internet where especially in the uk i think we it will be we now we've got chris hamrick yeah i mean fuck we've got chris hamrick. i mean we swear a lot um chris hamrick approved yeah dude that's fucking sick you know so it, it's one of them ones we we don't really mince our words we don't worry about how what we're gonna say is gonna be taken by anybody else we just fucking tell it how it is if we like something we say we like it if not we say it's dog shit well, that's it. I mean, you have to be you. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, you're you're pretending or you're being fake, and who wants to fake whatever? You know, it's just like I tell people. I'm like, this is what you get. I don't change for nobody. You know, if you don't, if you like it, like it. If you don't, go. You know, cry about it. I give a fuck less because I'm not going to change for you, and I'm not going to pretend to change for you. This is who the fuck I am. This is who I grew up being, and I'm pretty cool with it. You know what I'm saying? And I blame it all on Ricky Morton. I was a nice, respectable man till I met that piece of shit. <laughs> hey, very first time I wrestled him, I go to the dressing room. He's he's getting he's already dressing at the gimmick table, right? There's a pair of tights laying on his bag, so I put them on, and I've got sweatpants on over him so he can't tell. So we get in the ring to go lock up. And he goes, "I have a pair of tights, just like, you son of a bitch, you are my tights." I'm like, "Yes, they are." <laughs> is, very is first he- time I met him. It's incredible because in in the lead up to this to this interview with you, Chris, like we you know we like to do our research, and obviously we knew who you were. We've watched a shitload of your stuff over the years, but we like to like you know refresh our memories of stuff and kind of make a list of you know memorable matches or memorable people that you've worked with, and you know it literally would take us a fucking a week to make a list or even longer would we'd need a month probably to to list all the people that you you know and big name people as well you know on on, on independence on on the main stage that you've wrestled and you know we would like to maybe have a part two where we can kind of go through maybe chronologically and say right you know this was what you were doing then because you know you were in IWWA with Tommy Rich you know we'd love to talk more about you know that, that those times funny story real quick yeah 
we would go somewhere and people would recognize Tommy as being a wrestler, but they didn't really know who he was. You know what I'm saying? They go, hey, man, is that pro wrestler? Barry Wyndham. <laughs> he came up and he's like, Chris Hammer, somebody call me Barry Wyndham one more time. I'm going to stretch you. And I'm like, shut up. You can't spell stretch. <laughs> you know, this stuff is gold, Chris. Honestly, mate, it is like, you know, we'd love to, I mean, we're going to make a more comprehensive list as well because we're pretty sure that there's a lot of stuff that we just haven't really, been, I mean, the stuff that you've done with Tracy Smothers and obviously, you know, unfortunately he's not with us anymore. Um, and I'm sure you've got some, you know, some crazy stories and, you know, times that you spent with Tracy because Tracy was another guy that, no one's really got a bad word to say about him. You know, he was, you know, in ECW, a lot of the guys said that he was there first earlier, working with the young he was guys. That way everywhere he went. If he saw somebody that he thought would listen to him, he would tell him, you know, um, and he told me to do the same thing. He said, because all it does is makes the world a better wrestling place. And he actually, he honestly believed that. He tried to help everybody that he could. Yeah, I mean that—that's the stories that that I've heard from the younger guys in the business. That he would literally spend any spare time he had talking with people, going over stuff in the ring. I mean, for for me, some of my most memorable stuff that I've watched in ECW was the um, the full-blooded Italians. You know, Tracy Smothers and, and and that work in that gimmick of the FBI was just incredible stuff. You know, and to think that. Tracy Smothers is another guy that really transcended through the eras. You know, he was there early days. And we said this on the podcast before as well, that the smoking guns actually ripped off Tracy uh, and his partner from WCW. I thought they were. He was, oh, okay, smoking guns, Billy and Bart. Yeah, Billy and Bart kind of like, it was a bit of gimmick infringement uh, from and Tracy Billy Smothers. Billy Gunn's the biggest bitch I've ever seen in my life. Son of a bitch, he's huge. Yes. Because <laughs> you've worked with Billy Gunn as well. That's another one on my list. You know, the, the, I have. The, the funny the guys... thing about it was is I was champion uh, where we were wrestling, and uh, I was going over. And he's calling, you know, we're calling the match, and he goes, well, what about if I hit the famous, sir? And I went, Billy, are you here next month? He goes, no. And I went, well, I am defending the title. I'm over. Leave me alone. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. Because uh, like you say, we said before, you worked with the Armstrongs. Um, did you ever work with BG James? I don't think I've ever worked with him. I will tell you a funny story, though. I was working Dirty White Boy. You remember him from Smoky Mountain? Huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. And he goes, Hey, do you think you could get up for a choke slam? I went, I'll try. And then we got back and they got, motherfucker, you almost jumped out of my hands. I went, well, there you go. <laughs> and I take a choke slam. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> that's one time you didn't say no, Chris. Nah, that's one time I didn't say no. I, I was, because he didn't think I could do it, I wanted to prove him wrong and show him how good I could do it. Yeah. That's crazy, man. You know, like I say, we, there's just, it, you are probably, you've had more matches than most people in their careers, would you say? I mean, um, do you have any idea how many fucking matches you've had in your career? Probably not, not right? Not a clue. Crazy amounts. You know, it, it's got to be in the thousands, right? 
Well, yeah, because you could add four each night to cornets. <laughs> yeah. You're telling me you didn't, you didn't write them all down like Bret Hart did and have like a massive like list of everything. Fuck Bret Hart. <laughs> Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan are the two that I cannot stand in this business. Never oh, like them, never will like them. Maybe we need to just talk about a little bit about that before you go, man. I mean, any re any particular reason? Is it just well, when, I when I grew up, it was Mid Atlantic NWA, and it was NWA versus WWF. It was Hogan versus Flair. Well, Flair was ten times the fucking worker Hogan was. Hogan yeah. was all show and no go, you know. And so I just I, I I don't like him. I don't care if he dies of dick cancer. I just don't like him. It's, it's it's funny where on the podcast as well like i kind of shit on hogan quite a bit um and jordan we we have shit on hogan quite a bit for the fact that he used to do like chicken shit chicken shit heel stuff but he was just seemed to be so over like he could get away with it you know like it was you know complaining to fucking jack tunney all the time about it was losing the, yeah, a match it was the first or, chicken shit baby face we ever saw he, yeah, he, and, he, and he pulled fucking Sid, helped pull Sid out of the Battle Royal with Flair on it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he like Jordan said, he was the first chicken shit babyface to ever live. Yeah, I can't stand <laughs> him. <laughs> it's, but I, I think it was, I think like what you're saying with, with Bret Hart, and I mean, I'm a fan of Bret Hart, what he could do in the ring, 100%. I okay, think was, so tell me, Bret Hart complains that Ric Flair did the same match over and over. Uh wasn't he watching his shit? I mean, the, that's, that's a, a fucking, the fucking good point. You know, it really is a good point. It's and Owen was ten times the worker Brett would ever be. Oh, ca character-wise, there is no doubt that Owen Hart was a lot more memorable character. Um, a lot Not more. Not even character-wise, wrestling-wise. Wrestling, he could, yeah, and wrestling. Owen, he really could. A, Owen could put a sandwich on his back and star Brett to death. Fuck him. Oh yeah. That's great. I mean, this is it. This is why we had you on, Chris, because you say what you think, and you, you know, you think what you say. It's it's good stuff, man. I say what everybody else thinks. <laughs> it's true. I mean, you know, it's. Uh... Well, let me ask you something, okay? okay? What made me stand out to you as a wrestler? Because I never considered myself great at all. Um, for me, it was. I mean, but for me, rest, what as in like technically or just in general? Just whatever. When you watch say Chris Hammer match, what made me stand out that would make you remember me? Oh, I mean, the moves, I really like your leg drop off the top. Did you ever have a name for that? Yeah, it's called leg drop off the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Bobby Eaton's like the Alabama. I came stuff. up with that myself. Yeah. Oh, fucking. <laughs> no, it was just the way you did everything. You know, it was the way you 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 were in the ring, the way you sold. Um, I really do love your suplex stunner. Uh, that really, that for me was a fucking great move. Um, and the Hamrick bump as well. It's just you were you were a hundred percent on what you were doing. You know, it was when when you when you when you watch you in the ring we know that you're giving 110% every single time and that, that, you know, and that's it. You're always going to leave whatever you've got in the ring. And that's what always drew me to you, that you could tell that you were fucking just giving it everything you had, whether there was 
two two people in the fucking front row or whether there was, it was a packed house, you know? No matter how... Like, the match you had with AJ Styles was an absolute fantastic match and you left it in the ring. You know, AJ can fucking work, you know, but without someone to work with, he wouldn't have looked half of what he was, you know? So everything you were doing with the banter with the crowd, the way you were selling the moves, the way that you just, the way you worked just was fucking great, man. Just every single time. I don't think I ever really saw you have a bad match. You know, that has been said so many times before. There's no such thing as a bad Chris Hammett match. No, there ain't. People have told me that way before. There ain't, mate. Honestly. And I mean, what the fucking two jabronis in England know, but you know, in, in our opinion, you know, you, there never was a bad Chris Hamrick match. When 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 you were booked, you the promoter would have known that they were gonna, you know, that you was gonna do what you always did and just give one hundred and fifty percent. Well, see, that's like when I first got booked for um, what's the one one PW? They brought me in this Tracy's partner. Well, I was like, well, I don't know if people know who I am right now. I'm just Tracy Stooge, you know. And uh, so the one night, somebody no-showed, and they need somebody to work, Sterling James Keenan. And I was like, please let me do it so I can show these people why I'm here. And it proved that, you know, it worked. So That matches on YouTube as well, mate. Me and Sterling? Yeah, you and Sterling James Keenan, that, that's on YouTube, that match. And I didn't that was have a time. Match. Yeah, I didn't have time to watch it today, but this is what I was saying. Like, we, there's so many of your matches here, there, and everywhere on the internet that it would take us a fucking week to watch a fraction of them. Watch me and Reed Flair. You and Reed Flair? Yes. Okay. Very good match. And it just is it's classic good guy versus bad guy. Watch it. It's real good. Yeah, we well, I'll do that. Like I say, you know, I wish I would have had time, more time to watch a few more of your matches um, to refresh. But you know, we watched the AJ match. Um, watched the. Are you talking about Reno's? Are you talking about PWF? Yeah, yeah, PWF. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Vidry was my manager or my guy out there and Louis a couple of guys yeah yeah and, and yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant because you first of all <laughs> first of all you wanted to wrestle with the fucking belt on you were like <laughs> no no i want i want to wrestle with the belt on and the, the ref great ended up kind of yeah great it's you know great stuff and you know the obviously the ref gets the belt off you and you know does this business and then you try and it's a singles match and you're trying to tag someone in <laughs> it's like, you know it's that kind of shit like you're saying, you know, it's not all about the moves that you can do in the ring. It's all the other shit, you know, it's just makes it work. Right. Well, what guys don't realize, and I heard this so long, you know, growing up, but it's so true. Less is more. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't go in there and do every fucking thing that you know how to do. If you're there again next month, what are you going to do different? Then you're having the same fucking matches over and over. You give them a taste, and then you make them want to see more, and then you want to see more. You know what I'm saying? You you don't give it, you don't give them to a full. You just give them a taste each time to where they say, "Fuck, I haven't seen that yet," or "I haven't seen that." That was pretty cool. Instead of he did this last month, uh, we've done seen this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I just don't realize that less is more. 
Well, I mean, we we watched. Um, I mean, we watched regular pay-per-views like old ones and we watched the wcw pay-per-view and talking about being really good heels i mean we we love um stephen regal we think he's he's a fantastic oh yeah oh just the looks that he gives you yeah that disgusting look of oh who the fuck is this guy you know phenomenal um and also we we love the hollywood blondes um yeah oh yeah the, the way Pillman and Stonecart, well, stunning Steve back then, you know, and talking about less is more, like that one time, Jordan, that where, you know, they rolled out the ring and I think, um, was it Pillman kissed Stonecart or the other Pillman way around? Pillman kissed Austin on like the forehead or something and the yeah. crowd went nuts. Yeah, it, went, yeah, the crowd went absolutely crazy yeah, and that was yeah. just a little kiss on the forehead because he'd just taken a punch on the forehead, you know, and it's like those yeah, right, right, punches, right. you know, incredible. And that's not, you know, what's that? You know, a lip lock, as, as they would say, you know. But One of the best things that I've seen, and this is how much it made an impression on me, I want to say it was an undercard match. It was the Freebirds, which was Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin against the Youngbloods, okay? And the one Youngblood shot him in and went to give him a chop. He ducked under and jumped right into Jimmy's arms. And then he jumped down like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. That was the best spot ever. Oh, my God. They got so much heat over that one fucking spot and didn't do anything. Yeah. Oh, great. And that would get over today. It 100% would because people haven't changed. You know, no. we still we still look at them and just go, oh, fuck that, man. Look, you know, it's it's this is this why it's incredible. I mean, we love the Freebirds too, right, George? Yes, yeah, um, I got so much here like uh, we spent so much time talking about how great the Freebirds were like and how you know uh, it, was, it was Jordan, minimal, almost looked like they, it was minimal effort like to just to piss off any crowd Jordan this podcast is about me fuck the Freebirds okay <laughs> no uh just tell you how funny it is man I was a worker and I used to go to shows uh for Mid-Atlantic or NWA whatever and Tracy I don't know if I ever told him this, but I'm sitting in the seat, just, you know, sitting there chilling and whatever. And Tracy comes to the ring and he shoots me a birdie. Well, before I know it, I'm up raising hell and I went, that motherfucker just worked me. Holy shit. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, good job. <laughs> yeah. How about just shoot me a bird? <laughs> well, we won't do that. We don't want to get you too hot. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it, it it would be incredible, you know. We we could talk with you for hours about how, you know, and I I think we need Chris Hamrick to be working with these guys, you know. I mean, can you imagine Jordan? Can you imagine um, MJF and Chris Hamrick in AEW? Can you imagine <laughs> just? I, I mean, if anyone's gonna if anyone's gonna push push MJF back into a heel spot and not be too you know baby face-ish it you know <laughs> someone's got the mouthpiece for it it's chris i mean what do you reckon about the pinnacle i thought because we don't think mjf needs the pinnacle we think that you know just him and wardlow just being assholes would just work you know yeah it really would he don't he don't need that group that group needs him mm-hmm. uh and it really don't because you got 
I don't even know what fuck they're going by. Stephen Walters and Jats or Dats or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They were great fucking heels, man. And then all of a sudden, same thing with MJF. So I think they're telling them not to do that. I honestly do. Because, I I mean, you got Blanchard there. And my man, Tully Blanchard, in the 80s was the biggest heel in the business. Everybody would say, man, I like the horseman. I like Flair. I like Arn. I like Barry Wynn. Fuck Tully Blanchard. That's a true heel. It's that true. is a yeah. fucking heel. Fucking hell. If you if you watch um the WrestleMania where it was the brain busters with, with Heenan, um, you know, the, the Arn and Tully working were just they were the epitome of heels. Like assholes, right. you know, you real assholes. And and the fact that they had Bobby Heenan, who is, you know, for me, one of the greatest heels you know, whether he's a manager or or a wrestler, you know, the business has ever seen. Right. Well, and speaking of MJF, uh, I watched one of his matches one time. I I called him like, what the fuck is this up with the flip? I said, that's a baby face move. Why do you have to do that? I said, okay, if you have to do it, follow it up with an eye poke. It says, hey, I can do something cool, but I'm still an asshole. And if you notice, he does that now. Yeah. That's the... Come on, man. We need to get on to who's got Tony's phone number. We can, we, Let's give him a bell. Hey, Just hey say the that. man. Yeah, send Come him on. Down. Let's fucking do this, man. We need to get some. You know what, what would be a really nice saying is like bring emotion back to wrestling. You know, Br- bring, well, bring spelling back, period, man. Yeah. Fuck. Why am I going to hit you with a suplex and you're going to beat me up when you stand in there when I get up? Why the fuck did I do it then? It's useless. It means nothing. Do you, do you think that um that then possibly we we could get onto the conversation of the fact that there is no more kayfabe has pretty much killed wrestling? Do you think? I hate that. I really do. Um, who wants to go to a magic show if you know how he's doing the tricks? You know, I mean, like, dude, back in the eighties. You couldn't tell if wrestling was real or not because Ric Flair and Wahoo McDaniel or Johnny Valentine and Wahoo McDaniel would beat the living piss out of each other. Mm. And even in the 90s, when you had the horsemen and all, you still, I mean, you couldn't tell. You're like, man, that some of that shit looked real. But then you're going to come out and go, oh, well, we're just entertainment. We're, we're not really doing, you know, who wants to go after that? Nobody wants to go after they know the trick. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that that's the big question, isn't it? I mean, that I we truly believe that there is a way that wrestling can go back, but unfortunately, I, you know, the people that seem to hold all the cards in the wrestling business at the moment maybe don't want it to go back because they will see it as kind of like a devolution. But like we were saying earlier, like you said, like it can come back you know that that them yeah, days yeah. can come back but it would need certain things to happen and so it happen in certain ways for it to get back to that kind of people just double guessing and thinking well was actually was was that real like you know fuck you know was that you know are people are too i mean maybe we're partly to blame as well because we're seen as like smart marks or whatever you know because we fucking dissect the business or whatnot but do you, i mean do you all think- you did was join in it ain't like you fucking invented it you know what i'm saying yeah it's true 
it came, it had to come out for y'all to know about it. True. Do you think it was the 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 icing on the cake of kayfabe dying was the whole steroid trials and you know Vince coming out and saying Vince man came out to quit paying fucking taxes in fucking New Jersey or whatever. The athletic commission wrestling was a work. Yeah, that's that's when all that's when all kayfabe was thrown out the window. Yeah, because I mean you think about it. If I'm at a show and you've got some 18 year old, even 20 year old going. Hey man, is this real? Did, who am I? Who looks like the fool if I go? No, it's the work. Or if I try to convince him, hey, yeah, this is real. Or you know, as you say sometimes, you know, sometimes emotions get the best of you, and it turns a little, you know, stiffer than it should be. But I mean, you know, you don't insult anybody's intelligence, man. Well, I mean, but but when we were training in wrestling as well, the this is why it's a little bit crazy for when, when we watch these kind of strong style stuff, because the whole thing of it was, it's supposed to be an art. Wrestling is an art. You're supposed to make it look fucking painful and you're not supposed to really hurt each other. <laughs> the reason it's called a work is because we work the fans into thinking what we're doing is legit. Yeah. If I keep in the back as hard as I can, Fucking Joe Smo sitting in the front row can come in and do the same fucking thing, same effect. But if I we'd work a spot and it looks legit, and then then we're doing shit that they can't do, and we're working them. But I mean, the strong style—that's stupid shit, man. It, the reason it's called working is I'm not hurting you, you're not hurting me, but we're making it look legit. That's yeah. why it's a work. Otherwise, it's a fight. Yeah. So did did you say you so you're working with someone now down south and um what promotions are you working with them in? It's A W E, I think, and it's in uh it's in Augusta, Georgia. And they've actually had me bringing in they brought me in as be agents, but dude, nobody listens to the fuck I say, you know, and like I said, I can't really blame them. I know how I was growing up, you know, they know best right now, let them think that. So basically, I'm like, you're paying me to come watch your fucking show, which is cool with me. But then, like I said, you know, I'm trying to get my guy elevated, so I said, I'll come in and work him. I'll be the heel, because he's great little mouthpiece until he gets through the ropes, and then he does babyface shit. So I don't want to risk that, uh, you know, mm. so I'll go and I'll be the heel, and I'll put him over and we're going to see if baby face and heel still works. Because trust me, I can be a heel. Yeah, no shit, man. <laughs> you know, no shit. Um, you know, it, um, you know, we, we literally could chat all, all week to you about the, the psychology of the business. And we, you know, I haven't got his number, but we'll get on to him on Twitter. Um, once we've got this episode up online we are going to be at in tony khan we're going to be at in everybody to give chris hamrick a job teaching these fuckers what it is to 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 be a proper hill and um you know whether they listen or not it doesn't matter because we've enjoyed every single minute of this chat that we've had and we are we're gonna have a, a part two chris if if you're up for yeah, it yeah absolutely um, let's do it man and, and maybe we'll you know maybe we'll can um Talk about, you know, me and Jordan will go back and we'll we'll watch some more of your matches and we'll pick out some individual matches. I mean, like we said before, there's no no such thing as a bad Chris Hamrick match. But we will okay, I'm gonna give out... you two to watch, okay? Okay. I want you to watch me and Reed Flair. Yep. 
And then I want to watch me and Tracy versus Jimmy Jacobs and uh, John Chesney. Okay. Sweet. We'll do that. Is that our homework, Chris? Yeah, that's your homework. I that's need to our homework. All right, sweet. And, we, and then we'll meet back for part two and we'll uh, discuss some more stuff because, like I say, I mean, your career spans over... I mean, what are we talking now? I mean, it's easily, what, 20 years? Like 35? Uh, we're, we're 30, 30, 30, 35 years. Yeah. 34, 35, yep. Yeah, easily 35 years, you know? And you've worked with the best of the best. And you've made them look fucking a million bucks every single time. So I appreciate um, that. Man. No, honestly, mate, we, we, we will continue singing your praises on part two as well. Absolutely. Just let me know when. I'm good for it. Thanks, brother. Really appreciate it, man, honestly. All right. Y'all have a good day. Thank you so and much. And you, Chris. man. Cheers, Chris. Thanks again, man. Bye, man. Have Bye. a good one. Bye-bye. And there you have it, everyone. Chris Hamrick. What a what a fucking interview. What How a guy, man. What what a guy. I just And we could have talked for hours. We literally could have carried that on. And Chris would have been cool with that too. I think yeah. he's, you know, he, he's got, he really does have a mind for the business. Um, coming through the times that he has done, you know, he's worked with the best of the best when it comes to psychology and, and working, work in the room, you know, he's worked with your, you know, your Ricky Morton's, your, you know, your Jim Cornette's, you know? Yeah. And... He's, he's worked with the best of the best. And we've got our homework. We've got homework. We've got, yeah, we'll, uh, I mean, I'm sure part two will come, you know, sooner than later. But for those of you that are at the end of this interview, let us know what you think. If you didn't agree with anything Chris said, I'm sure he doesn't care. But <laughs> give us a comment, give us something, give us a like, give us a subscribe. You know, we can, we've been working on things, you know, we said we've been, been out of the game for a minute, but, you know, we back and what what an interview to come back with, dude. Yeah, that was uh, that was something, and you know we can't thank Chris enough for giving us so much time. I mean, I thought the interview was going to end an hour ago, and he carried on going, and it's just, you know, it was. I can't get tired of stuff like that. He just had so much to tell and so much, so much good stuff to talk about, especially when it comes to the heel baby face dynamic and. You know, again, like, thank you so much, Chris, for coming on. Um, that was. Man, I, I'm still. I'm. I, I'm. I'm going to dream tonight of MJF with Chris Hamrick as a manager. I, and you know, it's going to be. Oh, the fantasy booking on that one. All you fantasy bookers out there, Jesus, fucking book that. Um, there's fantasy book. Yeah, there's a lot of fantasy booking going on out there, and I'm sure this is just another piece of the pie. Um. I can't, yeah, but I thank everyone for sticking around. You know, don't forget, it's going to be there. Chris will have it up, you know, because Chris is our editing man here. Editing man extraordinaire. He has, you know, all the extra bits and clips that come up, all the pictures. There are no I'm the man in the truck. There are no extra pictures of Chris and Tony Khan this week. Um, my, my wonderful source over in Jacksonville did not manage to find anything new. I'm sure we might next week, <laughs> but, but, and you know, we, well, you, 
yeah it was too they were too busy in jacksonville helping out um getting botchamania back up and running which we're happy to hear about happy to hear that botchamania's back um like i said follow us chat grapple pops on facebook the facebook page is live it's doing really well people are really engaging with it twitter as always we're, we're always on twitter we're always on instagram there's always stuff to talk about us don't forget to you know follow like comment do what you want even if you want to tell us that we're miserable pricks i don't care chris doesn't <laughs> care and chris we are chris hamrick approved so we Dude, that's legit. 100% we are Chris Hamrick approved. So now we give even less of a fuck about what people think. If you want a mug, you know, hit us up on there. The mugs are here. You know, if you want a hoodie, I'm sure we can find a spare one knocking around. If you want, yeah, man, we've got all that. We got that merch, baby. I'm thinking we should really send one to Chris Hamrick, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get, Get him a chat grapple and cheap pops hoodie. You know, we've got so much good stuff coming up. Um, we don't want to say, we can't really say what it is right now, just, you know, because, you know, it's, it's just the way it is in wrestling. Sometimes you can't talk about what you've got coming up in case it falls through. So <laughs> it's, yeah, we've got some really mad stuff heading your way. And, you know, we'd love to stay, like to stop and talk about it. But until it happens, we can't really say. So I'm guessing for now... And and in this instance, until part two, until and a part two will happen. You know, part two will happen. Um, you know, Chris is a top guy; he's a man of his word. Um, you know, and he seems excited to talk to us about um, some other bits and bobs, as we say. Um, you know, we've I've got a list. You know, we listed off all not all the guys that he's worked with, but just a fraction, literally a fraction. And you know, we're gonna have to go now and watch. Chris Hamrick versus CM Punk. You know, we're we're gonna do our homework, Chris. We will. We're gonna we're gonna do it, um, and we will welcome him back for part two. But for part one, it was myself, Chris Dredd, my main man JB, and we were here with a fantastic Chris Hamrick. And uh, now we are gonna bid you all adieu, and we will see you very soon. Till next time, guys. Take care, everyone. <laughs>